Amen. Thank you, Mike. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've blessed us with many wonderful things and wonderful promise of an inheritance which which we don't deserve, which we didn't earn, but you promised it to us and um, we thank you for that. Help us as we're, we're living our days to be willing to to work in a way that brings you glory knowing that it's for you, Lord, we're working for you. And I thank you for your word and that each one of us has the opportunity uh, daily um, to spend time with you and, and then share it with one another. And I pray that that happens more and more. We thank you, Lord, uh, for this time that we have together. Thank you for, Lord, um, the challenges and the commands that you give us so we know how we are to conduct ourselves while during this brief stay on this planet, on this earth, Lord. And uh, just ask that you'd guide us as we look to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go back to Revelation and delve into the commands of Christ to the seven churches. The last few churches we were charged with staying the course. They were charged with staying the course and not compromising. And here we have another challenge to say no to compromise. Yet again. The other churches had problems, but this church had greater failure in this area. The other churches faced some persecution. This church did too, but it was, was more pressure than persecution. Earlier this week, uh, on or during Monday night football, uh, the Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, had a heart attack. I... I didn't see it, but the game was, was stopped in it, and immediate medical help was given. My daughter showed me um, where one announcer actually prayed. Now, he, he went on there to say, you know, we're all talking about how prayer matters and, and prayer this and prayer that. And I think in our culture today, they really don't know what that means. And this announcer... Despite the pressure, I believe he probably had a lot of pressure, maybe he has pressure today, that maybe he would get into trouble, maybe he will yet, but despite the pressure, he went and said, you know, prayer does matter, and he pointed out to the fact that there is a God, the God of the Bible, and that he was going to pray specifically. Now, you actually had to do it, not just say, hey, I'm going to pray, right? And despite the pressure, so we all know what the pressure is, to remain quiet, to not speak out, to do things the way or the status quo way, right? Which is an easy rut to go down. Now, I don't know what you think uh, about this week in politics, but there's a rut that even the Republican Party themselves have gotten into or the House of Representatives, and there are some saying, no, we're not going to do the status quo thing. Whether you agree or not, I just want you to point out, I believe that was hard to do, whether you agree with them or not. Are we willing to do this? what is the status quo, or are we willing to do, and the status quo does bring pressure that if you go against it, you're wrong, regardless of whether you are right or not, you're wrong. And I believe this church here of Thyatira had great pressure to conform. 
And the problem here in this passage that we're going to look at was that there were some saying, hey, it's okay to do what the culture or the community wants you to do. And they validated it with theology. They validated it with their doctrine. And so when we look at this passage, I want you to understand a couple of things. Our faith, a real faith, in even some of those smaller situations than what I have, the illustrations that I have brought before you this morning, even if it's a smaller sense or there's less pressure or it doesn't seem like it's as big a deal, don't conform. If the Spirit guides you to follow the Word of God in a specific way, and you're like, that's no big deal, but the Spirit wants you to step out, don't compromise. Don't sit back. Step out. Step out in faith. A real faith leads you into action. A real faith in Jesus Christ means that you will have to do things that will go against the status quo. It will guide you to go against pressure. So therefore, we must say no to compromise. This passage speaks to a compromising church. And so let's, let's look at the three responses from the Lord. Okay? The first response is that the Lord reminds them that He sees. You're like, are we going to read the passage? Yes, let's, do, let's read this first portion of Scripture where we see the first response of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he says because of his response. Verse 18 and 19 of chapter 2 in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, Thyatira, I like to put an R in there, extra R in there, but Thyatira, right, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds. Um, just a side note, there's a couple of times, and it may not translate in the English in your, in your Bible to deeds or works, but it says it several times at the beginning of this, this passage and at the end. And so that's why I say your faith has to lead to action. Okay? But anyway, the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his, his feet are like burnished bronze says this. Remember, it goes back there to the first uh, chapter where John sees this vision of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds are of late are greater than at first. So here in verse 18 when we see that the Lord, we, we see the Lord's observance, we need to understand that Jesus is omniscient, and we've talked about this several Sundays, right? As we've gone through here, this, this, these passages in Revelation. But Jesus knows everything. He sees everything. At Hebrews chapter 4 passage, remember, he knows. So let's talk about Thyatira, the background there. Um, it was in a, uh, it's in a nice plain, a nice valley. 
Not too rugged, but therefore it didn't have a, a great defense against armies that would come against it. It didn't have a good stronghold, but it did have a military outpost there for lots of years. And it was a staging ground for a lot of battles. And and it was always conquered when they came against it. But it slowed down any opposing army from whoever was ruling the entire region. So it was a strategic place. But when they were conquered, they were decimated and then rebuilt. It had a lot of different people from different ethnicities. It was a place where there was great trade. There were people who had trades. And when you think of Lydia, she came from Thyatira and was a seller of purple. They, they made a purple dye from that region. And so in Thyatira, because of these trades, there were a lot of guilds, right? Like unions, I guess we could compare them to. Because it was a kind of a, a place where people were skilled in their trade. And therefore, when, when they were in a trade, they would need to join this guild. But these guilds were tied to a false or pagan worship. These guilds had a worship of false gods. Like, and, and it was not like the other cities that we talked about or churches that we talked about where they worship the emperor and therefore there's persecution here they did worship Apollo was probably the most the, the most profound god that they or the one that they worshiped the most, but each guild had its own god that they would worship, and because of that, to be able to practice your trade, you needed to be in a guild and you had to be also subscribe to what they believed or feel the pressure from that guild to comply, to do what they wanted you to do. And so they would have these feasts, and at the end of these feasts, they would often have a worship, a time where they would worship their false god, and a lot of it ended in sexual immorality. But here, so that's the background, but we come back to this main thought, that the, the omniscience of Jesus, and we see this profound statement in verse 18, that, which should set the tone for this whole passage, reminding us of what John saw in chapter 1. It starts out, though, one phrase that isn't said in the rest of Revelation is that Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is God the Son, therefore he has authority, he has power, and he will judge. Now there's a lot of allusions to the fact that he is God the Son, therefore he is king, right? But they need to understand, these guilds don't matter, Jesus matters, he is your king. He sees all and he knows all, and then when we look at Jesus and, and the vision of Jesus, his purifying vision, his flaming fire, eyes like flaming fire, right? He sees all, he knows all, and he will purify. We get kind of a feel that he will purify. You can't escape his vision. We also see that in this passage it refers again to his feet are like burnished bronze, and remember in the vision, he's walking between the lampstands, therefore he's, he's present amongst the churches and he's, he's guiding the churches. But also, when you look at this, it's kind of like this burnished bronze is, you know, at, for us, a lot of us, the only time we ever see 
metal that's heated up is at, brand, at brandings, right? Some of us, others, maybe you're working with metal, you'll, you'll see it glow. But burnished bronze has a, a, a golden look to it. But he is purifying. And what he does is perfect. And we could probably get into a lot more about that. But I've already spent a lot of time on this first point. We need to understand that Jesus has power, purifying power, and he will tread out what ought not be in the church and amongst his people. Verse 19, we have four nouns. These aren't verbals. In the Greek, oftentimes we find uh, the verbs are, have nouns in them. Here we just have nouns. But they're very important. We see love. The first word mentioned is love. And then we have not only, let me find, uh, and your love and faith and service and perseverance. Now love can be tied to service. Love should lead to service. Love should lead to action. Your Bible might say charity. But the word agape can be translated charity because it should be action. Love should be a fruit of the Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit, not should be. It should be a part of your life because it is a fruit of the Spirit. There we go. (laughs) It is crucial for us so that we have a desire to serve one another, a desire to reach the lost. And here it is a great commendation. Hey, this is what you're doing well. You have love, you have service, you're doing well. Note 1 Corinthians 13, right? Reminds you of that passage. Read through it. Service is a sign of love and is a sign of spiritual maturity in the Lord. Their deeds, it says, he goes on towards the end of this verse, their deeds have been greater than they were at the first. Remember Matthew 22, I didn't write down the reference. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. And he said, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Love the Lord will lead you to service and love to others. Also their faith or faithfulness. And we could say it's tied to their perseverance. They had faith in the Lord which translated into their faithfulness to him. Okay? Their faithfulness to carry out their faith Not just one day, but all of their life. And not just at home, but in the public square. When they're trying to conduct their trade against the pressure of the guilds. And their faithfulness is tied to their perseverance. Not... All in the church followed the false teaching of this Jezebel that we're going to talk about. But this false teaching was impacting them severely and brought a stiff warning. And so he gives them this commendation that is great. But look at verse 20. But 
I have this against you. Ephesus was sound in doctrinal purity but lacked love, right? Remember? It's been a while, probably a good month. Here, Thyatira had love but lacked doctrinal purity. Both were to repent. Ephesus' good deeds or works lessened over time, while Thyatira's good deeds or works grew stronger over time. And the challenge here as we look at this first truth about how the Lord sees all, we must hold steady in the middle, directly behind our Savior, following Him as closely as possible. Love is not devoid of sound doctrine, and sound doctrine is useless if there is no love Look at the, the most of the fighting that we see in our culture today is, oh, you don't have love. Oh, okay, well then let me fudge on my sound doctrine. No. <laughs> True love does not fudge, does not change doctrine. And doctrine is not proud and arrogant. It is not devoid of love or it's not a pure doctrine. We see that is a major, a major issue in, each, in my life, in every church's life. And I believe in all of us, it's something that we have to wrestle with daily. Truth speaks love. It doesn't, it, and love <laughs> speaks the truth, actually is what I was going to say. It doesn't change it but it knows how to speak it correctly in a way that's going to benefit all. So remember, though, the reason that we must press on is that the Lord observes everything. He sees it all. We cannot fudge even a little. And so we see his approval in, this first path, in these first two verses, but we also see the stiff warning that's coming up. And so the second response is that the, the Lord objects. He objects to what is going on in 20 through 23. Follow along as I read these verses. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Notice the end of that verse gives us a real clear picture of what's going on. Verse 21, I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Uh, it's probably in my notes, but I want you to understand that immorality here is pornea. It comes from the same word in, uh, that we get pornography, but it's sexual sin. Immorality in verse 20 is the same word. Verse 22, Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her, that word's different, into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. So what do we have here? There's an observed sin. So we're going back to an observation, but he's bringing this out. Not only is it observed, but he's bringing it out to the front saying, you can't hide from me. This is what's going on. I know what's going on, and you need to repent. So what's the church doing? It's failing. 
So what's the church's failure? They tolerate, they permit, or they compromise. They, uh, they, you know, so it says in verse 20, but I have this against you that you tolerate. That word tolerate is the same word that we can, we use. It's the same root word we use for forgiveness. <laughs> they forgive her, or it can be translated permit. So the realm of meaning within the context is you permit it or you tolerate it. Don't tolerate, don't permit, don't forgive anything that should not be forgiven or tolerated. We can't. So what is it? Jezebel's destructive sin. You know, all actions here in this passage, in these verses, uh, all of these things that are done are actions or bad deeds. So what does she do? What's her action? What's her bad deed? She says she's a prophet, and she's not. She's a false prophet. There's always been false prophets. A prophet is someone just under an apostle. A prophet is supposed to speak the word of God. A prophet is supposed to preach the word of God. But she was not. She was distorting the word of God. She also teaches. Now there are perimeters about what men and women are to do within the confines of the church. She was teaching all. She was not supposed to teach as the word of God states clearly. But it was what she taught that was more destructive, more important for us to notice. She led astray with the result that the believers could give into the pressure from the guilds to be involved in their guild mills or celebrations to their guild gods where sin was committed so that they could go on and be involved in their trades and not lose their jobs. And then they were going beyond that. And so it, go, it talks about the result of her heresy. They committed acts of sexual sin or sexual immorality. It also says, remember earlier I said in verse 20, they ate things sacrificed to idols, but it goes on more to describe what she was doing and teaching that involved sexual immorality. And so we have Jesus' objective judgment, that is, how he judges is perfect and right. Verse 21 through 23, what did he do though? The Lord God gave her time to repent. He gives time to many people for the purpose of repentance and they take advantage of it, don't they? They don't repent. She did not want to repent. And the question for us is, well, we can look at our culture and there's no repentance, but what about me? What in my life am I grasping a hold of that I should be letting go of? What am I letting go of or forgetting, forgiving that I shouldn't be? Remember 2 Peter 3.9? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Why did she still have time? He was giving her time to repent, but she did not want to, and it was going to come. The judgment was going to come. 
Romans 2.5 says, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of, uh, in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It is coming. Let's back up one verse. I read verse 5 first because I want you to pay, pay special attention to verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Do not take God's kindness and his grace for granted. We pray for those who have not yet turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would turn to him today, while it's still called today. But for us, remember, let us not let anything from the culture change the way that we live when we should be following Christ do not let it change our thinking so that we're saying I'm following Jesus but yet we're okay with sin but she would not repent so what did she not repent of it gets specific spiritual fornication not only her false teaching her heresy her leading others astray, but physical fornication. Note here the next verse that we'll read here in a minute. But what's the judgment? All right? What's the judgment? In 23. Uh, 22 and 23, <laughs> we get into the judgment. Um, Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness. Note the irony. Note the illustration here. Her bed of adultery is now going to be a bed of sickness. And there's some, you know, that word is difficult, the bed of sickness. It can be not only a sick bed, but a bed of violent sickness. A bed that therefore leading to death. And so the, what we should catch is the, the play on words here should wake her up. You think it's all fine and good now. But you're going to be judged. And all who follow her and do the same things, or even some who did the bad deeds with her, will be thrown into a great tribulation unless they repent. Now, and I didn't end my notes, and I could spend a lot of time. Remember when we were back in the Old Testament, Jezebel? I believe it's, he's using this name for us, not her literal name, but it could be. We don't know for sure. But he's calling her Jezebel. That's not good. In the Old Testament, Ahab's wife led Israel into idolatry and sexual immorality. horrendous woman who led them down a path of destruction as this woman was leading. I believe it was a real person, not just uh, a metaphor for bad teaching, but she was leading them into sin and committing sin with some of them, and the others were following her example. And so they were her spiritual children. So it says, and uh, it says, In verse 23, and I will kill her children with pestilence, or I will kill them in 
with tribulation. Earlier we see the word the great a great tribulation unless they repent of or unless she repents of her deeds. These will be killed with really death, but pestilence can be a translation for that word. And then it goes on, and this is what I, and there's a lot of things we could talk about. We could get into it a lot deeper, okay? But I want you to understand it's going to be seen. And it says here in this passage, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. Wait, I, I skipped what I wanted to read back up. All right. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. That is, it's going to be a shockwave, and the church will see, and you will understand that you must repent or you will suffer in the same way. A judgment of the Lord Jesus. So the rest of believers will see and know that Jesus is omniscient and will judge The Lord will judge, and he is judging his church and his children already in this passage, and he judges today. Now, when we see there's difficulties and and problems, we can't always say that's judgment because the Lord allows tribulation and suffering and difficulties in our lives so that we are purged or that we're growing closer to him or that we can be refined But there's also the judgment of the Lord. And so for us, I think it's important for us to understand both of those take place. But may it be his refining fire in our lives and not his judgment for the sins that we're unwilling to repent of. Amen? Now last night we came home from the the basketball games in Callaway where we saw uh, some questionable refing inconsistent I would say you know my my coach in high school basketball yeah I played basketball I wasn't as good as a lot of the other guys here that's played basketball but anyway I did um, he always said you know you get out there and you see how the refs are calling and you go from there if they're calling touchy fouls you got to back off a little bit we want you to continue to hustle but if they're calling touchy fouls back off a little now if they're not Lee, you can play as hard as you want. And, you know, I was pretty physical. Um, And I usually fouled out, regardless of how I read the rest. But anyway. But when there's inconsistency, it's hard to know. Right? It's hard to have that baseline. I can do this, but I can't do that. Parents, this is a good lesson for us as we raise our children. Let's be consistent. Consistency is key. Right? But there was no consistency last night. And, but the, pro, the illustration here for you to see is that some people think that's the way God is, and he's not. He has set down very precise standards for us to follow, and we need to understand that while he is patient, he will judge as he said he will judge. Do not take the kindness of God for granted And destroy your opponent in the game. No, do not take the kindness of God for granted. And be unwilling to repent. To change your mind about sin. Or to confess the sin that's in your life. You know it's wrong. But to change the way you respond to your desires to sin. 
The final response, the third response, is the Lord's orders. And so we see his orders in verse 24 through 29. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, and they, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have to hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces as I also have received authority from my father. Remember this is Jesus speaking. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, In verse 24 and 25, hold on to what you have. Hold on to the truth. Who is he talking to? The rest of the believers. The church that is allowing this in their congregation or in their midst. But they're still doing what is right. They should not follow the teaching of Jezebel. The ones who have not succumbed to the pressure to make a living and to fit in. They need to be awake and aware and realize there are promises. They need to hold on to the truth. The ones who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them. And and that's an interesting statement. It's interesting, though, that Smyrna dealt with the synagogue of Satan, which was persecuting them in verse chapter 2, 9. Pergamum dwelt where Satan's throne was in 2, 13. Both of those caused persecution, but... Only Jezebel and her followers claim to know the deep things of Satan. That's what it looks like, right? As they say it, right? As they make the statement, they're saying, we know some things that are greater, right? We've seen, possibly, and we're, there's a lot of uncertainty, but as we look at this passage, whatever it was is telling them they could compromise, they could sin and follow Jesus without repentance, that they could live like the rest of the worlds. And that sin was of no account. Just think about the Garden of Eden, right? Did God really say? Is that really sin? Oh, you can do it. It's all right. Correct? And, and we don't have the time to get into it, but it's fascinating that they were making a claim, and here it's their judgment. So whatever it was to them, like they had a higher knowledge of something validating their theology and the way they live, it was wrong. You cannot detach how you live, your good, uh, your good deeds, or in their case, bad deeds, and theology. They go hand in hand. Their bad theology loved to led to bad deeds. Stinking thinking leads to stinking living. But hold fast to what you have. To hold fast to the truth as they have been doing. Hold fast to the simplicity of the gospel. And what's the relief? There's no further burden. The fight was difficult, right? Separation is not easy. This burden was enough. Verse 26 and 28, hold on to the promises. 
So the ones who overcome, those who are true believers will overcome. They have overcome. The ones who keep my deeds. Live out your faith. You cannot live like the world's with excuses. You cannot live like the world's with biblical validation. There should be conviction. What will they receive? What are the promises? They'll reign with Christ in a millennial kingdom as opposed to the enemies who will be smashed like pottery. What happens to pottery when you smash it? It breaks into a lot of pieces, hundreds of pieces. Jesus was going to destroy those who did not follow and obey him, who did not know him. No one can get away with their sinfulness. No one can get away with their evil plans, can they? Can they? There's a lot of people in our culture today that think they can get away with what they're doing and what they're pushing. But God will judge. It is coming. But believers are protected and secure. The morning star here, I believe it goes along with whatever it is, whether, and some say, well, Jesus is the morning star, so they have Jesus. I don't think it's that, but I don't know. I think it points to the fact that they'll reign like with Jesus, under the Lord Jesus. But we don't have any more time to get into it. Notice verse 29, as with the other churches, listen up, everybody, to what Jesus has said. It's not just to them. We need to make practical application from this passage. We need to listen up. We need to apply it to our lives. Remember, the Lord observes everything. When the Lord objects, we must straighten up and we must object to the same things, right? The Lord has orders and will we follow? And so here's kind of a vague practical application for us today. Vague by, hey, it's, a, it's an overarching application. Compromise is not compatible when compatibility crosses Christ. I like that. Bunch of C's. The Bible is not compatible with sexual immorality. Some of us, if we, you know, we look at our culture today and what they're trying to push upon kids, what they're trying to push upon our culture, all of us, we say, hey, that's wrong. And then we listen to the same junk in music. It's not compatible. What about what we watch? When it is not something that would please your Savior, we should not be doing it. And I struggle with it too. What about our marriages? Do we look to the world for guidance or do we look to the Scriptures for guidance? Men, do we love our wives as Christ loved the church? Wives, do we submit to our husbands? Ooh, that hurts. There's a lot of practical application, isn't there? There's a lot of commands from the Word of God. What are we doing? Are we following the Word of God? Do we have a biblical worldview? As uh, 
Mr. Bigby said earlier, do we understand what the Bible says about how we work, that we're working for the Lord? That can be a struggle, right? Amen? There's a lot of practical applications. So as we close today, I want to ask you to, to pray and ask the Lord to search your heart, to convict you of the areas that you're trying to compromise because it's easier. It is easier to say it is compatible with Scripture than to fight against the pressure, even the pressure of our own desires. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your words that you have not left us alone where we can do whatever we want, but you've given us guidance through your word. Help us to understand the areas of our greatest weakness And then, Lord, fill us with your spirit and the ability to say no to sin and and no to compromise. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us, the grace that you've bestowed upon us. Help us not to take it for granted. Help us to not sit on our heels and be people of inaction, but that we will be active and obedient to what you have commanded. That we would live out what you have called us to do. Lord, just help each one of us to see um, not only where we're weak, but how we can be strong in you and be able to say no to sin. Maybe we've been fighting for a long time. Help us to remember the fight is worth it. And your love and your grace is greater than all our sin. So, Lord, I pray that you would not let Satan beat each person up who is fighting against those desires, but that you would give them an overwhelming sense of peace and a desire to continue to be faithful to you, that you would give them perseverance to press on and engage in the battle even against any sinful desires in their lives. Help us to be people of action in the sense that we, we not only say the truth, but we live it out. Help us to be people of love and compassion. And Lord, I pray that as we go out today, we, you would bless each one so that we can indeed be a blessing to others. But help us to know where we're compromising. Help us to know how to stand firm and to say no to that compromise. In Jesus' name, amen. Could I have some young men come forward, take up the